Okay, today we're going to talk on something that's kind of been a secret to our lives. It's not that it's not in the Bible, I just don't ever hear anybody really applying this. So it's going to be on the power of agreement. Who you agree with, what you agree on, it's agreement. The power of agreement. So I've taught on it for years and I've had a lot of, you know, good illustrations on it. You know, when I was young, I had my first big fight and didn't repair it. Went out that afternoon, had a car wreck. And I thought, you know, I might should get an agreement. That might open some doors. Or, you know, there was this tame story I told of being on ground zero at 9-11 when they wouldn't let anybody in. And our entire Crosslines mission trip was able to get into ground zero. So we were talking about the agreement factor there. Or you can think of times we've done corporate fasting where everybody fasts together, and that's a form of agreement. I was looking through all the things I had taught in the past on agreement in the years, you know, before. Really had a lot of people just go, I love this concept. But nothing prepared me for agreement, like the story we're going to tell next. So I want to just let you know that as you grow, your different understanding of different subjects grows and expands with it. So what you think you knew five years ago and was teaching is actually expanding. The Lord showed it to us. But the title of this illustration is What a Witch Taught Us About Agreement. I don't think we could have ever learned this lesson the way we learned it from this story. So the Lord had it in for us, I would say literally, to take us to the next level of agreement. So it started out with two people at once coming over to my house. So I handed Steph one and I did the other one. So she was meeting with this uh, girl who was not really wanting to come to Christ, let's just say. She had a reputation. She was very much traumatized. She was tough. She was hardened in her heart. And Steph began sharing the fact with her that she ought to accept Jesus into her heart, that she ought to make Jesus Lord of her life. It was funny that they both put their genuine faith on the table. Like, this girl verbalized her fear to Steph. I don't think this girl has ever had a fear in her life. But she said these words to Steph. You know what's going to happen here between us? I'm going to accept Christ. In about five weeks, you'll be tired or you'll be busy. And you'll just drop me. And that'll be the end of it. And you won't have anything to do with me after that. If someone just threw that at you normally, you know, you would defend yourself or you would give them reassurances or you would just really try to smooth that over the fact that she was scared she was going to get hurt. Come help me tell this. What she was scared of is that we wouldn't have answers. That was the big deal. Like what I'm involved in and what I do is going to be so over the top for you that you are going to have no answers for me. And when you have no answers, you're just going to drop me. Yeah. That's the big deal. And there was also the emotional thing in it of thinking, I'm going to be too much for you and you won't be able to handle me. Mm-hmm. Well, Steph doesn't have the approach that most people would have of just assuring her that everything's going to be okay. Steph says, right back at you. In five weeks, she said, how do I know you're not going to just drop us? It's just going to be too much for you. And so it took the girl aback because mm-hmm. Steph gave her no reassurances. She gave her nothing that anything was going to be okay. So they made a bargain together. She said, let's just go on a a search for truth together. And Steph said these words that were so unique. She said, I'm all in if you're all in. Well, this girl was used to challenges. She got out of her chair. She gave her a hard handshake, and she said, 
I'm all in. Deal. And they sealed the deal with that handshake. So I watched her leave out of the house, and I only could see from the back uh, side of her. And usually I was like, you know, do I have a discernment that this is peaceful? It felt like, yes, this is right. Not knowing that what was going to take place, she was going to come to her house, and it was going to be literally a fight for the life of getting her free. Like the enemy was not going to let loose of her. And so she came the first time, and of course that was a a two-and-a-half-hour battle for her soul. And she finally surrendered it to the Lord. So what we weren't expecting was that two weeks later from that, she would come to my back door and she would be raging. Like she was screaming, give me Stephanie. Uh, Slava was pouring from her mouth. A bunch of the young men had come down to help me because I'm just, I'm alone with this huge monster possessed person on my back porch and they started using their authority on her and they used the name of Jesus you know I looked at what was going on and it was different than anything I had dealt with before and I watched for them just spending their time doing pure rebuking on her she'd come up behind them she would try to smell fear on them It was interesting how she gave an evaluation of each guy. But as they rebuked this spirit that was on her, that literally had possessed her mind, it was like when her screams were going out, you could just see neighbors running for their houses, shutting their windows, closing things up. I mean, no one wanted around. Because in a voice like that, there's something that scares you at a core level. You can feel the fear in it. She was there to intimidate. And when she screamed, it was at at a soul level of screaming that she wanted Stephanie. At this point, I come down and I do something. I commit myself to getting her free. And what I commit to is I go out on my own back porch and I lock the door behind me so I can't let myself back in. And I thought, it's going to go down between us. And one of us is going to win. And so that's what I had done to myself was commit to the fact that the Word of God had to work. Now, I've watched this whole scene with the guys and had seen nothing transpire in an hour and a half's time with them, working with her. And they were, you know, doing what they should have done, but it was not getting her free. So at that point, I had prayed because they had rebuked so long that she had actually left our house. I was like, this did not end the way that it was supposed to. Like, that's not the purpose of this thing. And so I started calling out to God, said, bring her back. She belongs to us. We led her to the Lord. She's our fruit. Satan, you can't touch her. And so I had gone into this deep praying. But when she came back, she wasn't in any better shape. I mean, she was as crazy as she had been. As she went, drove back up to her house, she was still raging and screaming. And and so I thought, hmm, I'm going to try some uh, different approaches on her. Well, that didn't work well. I mean, my shirt got torn. My pants almost came flying off. I mean, everything was going wrong in, in different directions. And, and then she flipped her little hands, and out came the knife. And she had brought a knife to the fight. So with this hour and a half with her, at this point, I decided, now, I've been doing this all my life. This has never been hard. I've always seen the power of the Lord deliver, but I've also never had anyone put their hands on me. That had never occurred before where someone was able to, you know, get a hold of my shirt, and then uh, she grabbed me around the neck. 
And I had gotten tickled about it because I thought, if I lose my pants tonight, my vanity was at stake. And I knew all my guys would think my credibility and my authority had just gone out the window. And so that's when I asked the Lord, what do I do? How do I handle this? Like, nothing I'm doing is working. And suddenly, it came to me. And I said to her, and I called her by name, and I said, I thought we had a deal. I thought we had decided that if you're all in, we're all in. I said, I called her name, I said, we have a deal. And when I brought that deal up, that thing that Steph and her had made of agreement in a room, and I said those words to her, all of a sudden her mind snapped and she put her hand out to mine and she said, deal. And when she said the word deal, her mind came back to her. And it was like I had the girl back. I had the girl we had led to the Lord back. She was free. She wasn't under a spell. And she was in her right mind. So it had been an hour and a half with the guys. It had been about 30 minutes of me praying her back. And then it had taken me an hour and a half to figure out what to do, trying different things until I asked the Lord, what can be done? We took her to the park the next day and said, is this going to happen regularly between us? Like, are you going to try to kill us? You know, just do we set our watch and you're going to come and try to kill us ever so often? So anyway, we had talked it through. And that's when we started putting together what took place. What did I say that caused her to get free? What had I said that made the spell come off of her? What was it that was said that literally with all the rebuking and all the standing and all the authority that I reached out to her will inside of her and I called out something in her and that was agreement. And I realized what we had achieved is the power of agreement. And that's why I call it what a witch taught us about agreement. I don't think I could have learned it any other way you know, we didn't even know at that time what actually got her free. And we didn't know what we had done was actually agreement. We didn't realize that that's what had taken place. But our agreement stood. And when we had made that covenant together or that deal together or that bargain, it was before the Lord. And if we were all in, she was all in. And when we both affirmed our covenant with each other, literally, that was the last time we would have it to that extent. It would never be as bad as that one was again. So at this point, I'm going to say that revolutionized our thinking on how powerful agreement is. That we can literally make an agreement between each other about the Lord, and it will literally change what's going on in your life. There are some areas in your life that you need to make agreements over. There's some areas that you need to get agreement on the table to bring it to a stop. That literally will change that situation, and that's where we got our understanding of agreement. So I'm going to tell you, this is at a different level now. It's coming at a deeper level in me of explaining to you agreement is much deeper than I thought Agreement is more powerful than I ever thought it could be. Let's throw out the tame, and let's go for what God has in some of the deepest levels of agreement that you can get into. The word that is used for agreement is in Matthew 18, 18, and it tells you that you can bind and loose, 
And then it goes right into verse 19, the next sentence, and it tells you, but if any of you agree together, and that's where it uses the word agreement. Now, this is something that Jesus is giving you as a gift. Now, I never hear believers say, I'm going to use my power of agreement. You hear a few use binding and loosing, but you never hear anyone say, we can literally make an agreement together. And uh, it unleashes the answer for you. It's very unique how it says this. The word in the Greek means to call out with, to be in harmony, and to agree. It's a harmonized, and actually the word itself is a transliteration of what you get from when a concert where all the instruments are played together, where it's a beautiful sound. And that's the word that Jesus used here to talk about what it sounds like when you hit agreement. When you hit the wrong notes, it sounds very much like not agreement. And sometimes in your spirit, you'll be like, ooh, I hit the wrong key. And so that's where we get our word symphony. It's the unique word that he chose for this verse. Now, I think what's interesting about it is the verse itself is very short, and it really doesn't put many stipulations on it. But it's kind of funny in the way that it does it. The power of agreement. Why say if two or three agree? Two or three unleashes the power. If two of you agree. Now, King James will throw in if two or three agree touching. And everybody loves that that's young and dating. I mean, they're just like, we have to hold hands at this moment to get our full agreement. So if you want to, you know, guys, use the King James Version, you know, two or three touching, agreeing on anything. So if two of you agree, then it tells you if two agree, then I'll get an agreement with you. I thought this was funny because this is such a, a strong point to us that we were at a conference in the last few weeks one of the leaders was telling me that, you know, when those 50 people came up to the altar for an altar call and y'all didn't get to every one of them, she said one lady left just all upset. She was devastated that you didn't get an agreement with her over her prayer request. And we had specifically said, if you want us to, we will pray for you and we will get in agreement. And what was shocking is Steph called it to a halt because everybody had the same request. It was shocking to think that everybody's family was being attacked the same way. And uh, we had prayed for about 10 people and then we did a, a group thing because we looked at our watches and the building was supposed to be closed 30 minutes before. So I looked at the lady who was a leader and I said, all right, I can understand why she's upset that I didn't get a chance to agree with her. And she says, I told her she was wrong. She didn't need your agreement. She shouldn't go to you and ask you to agree on anything. She needs to be pulling this down from the Lord. This is something she needs to do vertically. I looked at her and said, no, actually, there's power of two agree. I said, she actually is doing something scripturally. No, it's not. She needs to pull it down herself. And I said, will you deliver a message for me? I said, will you tell the lady I agree with her? Well, then this lady unraveled in front of the whole group. She said, you can't agree with a woman that you don't know what she was coming up there for. That is wrong for you to even say those words that you agree with someone that you have no idea. And I was like, I ask in the spirit, am I supposed to agree with her? I don't have to hear what she has to say. I mean, you don't have to judge by what your ears hear or your eyes see. You just have to ask the Lord, did she bring something that was right? And I said, tell the woman, I said, I agree with her. She needs my agreement. Well, 
The lady was flapping in the winds when I was through with her. She was completely sure I was wrong about that idea. But the truth is that this verse gives you something that you by yourself can't capture agreement. Even though I'm going to say, some of you disagree with yourself. Some of you, your mind's arguing with your faith. <laughs> some of you, your doubt catches up. But some of you are so messed up, you're like kind of schizophrenic in your belief system. You're barely believing what the Word says. So yeah, some of you may have a problem just you. My mom always said you need to agree with the Lord or be their body, soul, and spirit. <laughs> you need to find something inside of yourself where you're agreeing. But for the most part, you agree with yourself, I hope. But this is telling you it's not enough. But it brings agreement between two people. And what's funny is it doesn't say, and just be very, very careful with the Lord and make sure it doesn't give all those stipulations on it, does it? Maybe there's some trust that God's given us here. Maybe he's reaching out to you, and just like I was trusting that lady, that he's reaching to us and saying, I trust you, and if you agree, I'll agree with you. Because look at how the sentence ends. It's a powerful way that God adds his commitment to it. It's, it's like heaven ratifies it. So when we're at the point of saying, why not two? <laughs> or why not say three? But why say two or three? Maybe it goes back to the scripture a few sentences before where it says if you have a brother in sin. Maybe it's pulling that in. Perhaps it's saying when a person is locked into something that's doing himself harm and that's causing a lot of problems, he's stubborn. you got a very stubborn person by the time you go to him once and try to explain it to him, and then you get two people because it says that your motive is to win your brother. When you go to somebody, you're not there to tell him off or be right or lord it over him. You're there to win your brother. But some people won't be won. Like, they're stubborn in their heart. They literally won't yield to it. Some people are not wanting agreement. So you could pull that whole concept down that that's the way that you go to someone and that two or three, and then it brings up the binding and the loosing, and then it brings up the fact that you're establishing agreement. Or it could be a standalone principle. And so this is where I was going to give it to you is you need at times to get agreement. You need to have a brother added to your prayers. You need to add another person's faith to what you're believing for. Sometimes you're that one person that needs to know, give me another perspective on it. You know, we have it said this way, two heads are better than one. We're shocked a lot of times that we're short-sighted. Like, I need another perspective on it. The agreement there is strength. It adds strength to what you believe to keep you from backing down when the pressure gets on you. So it, it makes up for what's lacking. It adds more faith to it, and it keeps you from compromising. And at that point of the two or three in agreement, that you got your agreement partner, you're touching King James. It says, and then it shall be done for you. That's amazing that God would put that kind of a promise. Or it says, it shall come to pass. Now, I'm going to say, this doesn't have to be so lofty that you say, this is my covenant partner for life. This is marriage. This is establishing that. How about if we just say, this is agreement for everyday life. This is something that you bring to the table. It doesn't have to be a permanent agreement. 
where you work with this one person the rest of your life. It could be where you have agreement with people for a certain situation approaching you. Like those guys that were with me that night, we had agreement for that situation that no one was going to die. I appreciated the guy who reached in her pocket and pulled out the knife with the blade open and threw it in my backyard. I purchased him a bed. He needed a new bed, and I appreciated him with her hand around my throat that he reached in and got the knife. And then I was able to hear the Lord what to do next. In fact, I didn't even remember where her hand was because I was so intent on asking the Lord, what do we do here? And I was reaching for agreement with everything in me. I was reaching for what is the answer to fix this situation. So you need agreement for situations in your life. You need an agreement for assignments that God gives you. These two or threes that come together make a unique assignment. Sometimes I can tell you are made for the assignment. You know, that girl now, she calls us Christian criminals. You know, partners in crime was what I was called in college. That you literally have these people that you partner up with and you accomplish what God wants you to do. Maybe God's just adding a lot of fun to it. Maybe he's just making life fun. And I think with Christianity, I don't know why we don't have a little more fun with what we're doing. And it's probably because we're ignoring these very good verses in the Bible. So if you have a difficulty, you know, sometimes for healing, you need agreement. I remember I was at TYC and my dad and I would have date night. And date night for us, when I was older, he would steal me away from my college every way. And he was my partner at TYC. Well, it was funny to have someone at his age with guys as young as they were. And they were gang members. And I remember my dad did everything in the world to man those guys up and win them to the Lord. And we had told stories that God had done for us, things that we've seen. And guess who we converted? The staff. One of the staff came to me. He said, uh, you've actually got me where I believe in miracles. And he said, I've listened to you week after week. He said, it's better than my church service. He said, I've been enjoying hearing you preach for years out here. But he said, I have a real problem. He said, they tested, my wife is expecting our child, and they tested the child, and it has a deformity in the womb. He said, would you pray for our baby? What he said next I think what he was doing was just saying, look at how strong of a Christian I am, because he said, we're just not going to abort the child. So when it's born with this disease on it, we're just going to take care of it. And I said, well, then I'm not going to pray. What good is it for me to pray? Why are you asking me to pray then? But he was just trying to say, I'm unwilling to abort, where I was like, then why are you asking me to agree with you to pray that the child's whole if you're going to just live with the results? I mean, do you want me to pray for the child in the womb? It was kind of like an open door, and sometimes I think we're always trying to give God an out. Like, God, if it doesn't work, here it is. I don't want to look bad, so I'm going to just couch whatever I'm saying to make sure that it's all on you, God, if something goes wrong. You know, like, I'm not going to put my faith or agreement on what your word says. And so when I told him that and I asked him, I said, I thought you said you had heard so many miracles, you wanted me to pray for a miracle. So he said, okay. You could tell he was shocked. He said, okay, let's agree for a miracle. So we grabbed hands. My dad and I prayed over that baby. We prayed that uh, the test would be proven wrong and that God's word would be proven right and God would heal his child. 
Well, I remember walking away because, you know, the deal we have with God is I lay the hands on somebody and believe God will do what he says he will. And then God's job is to heal. I can't tell you what it was like to be at Brownwood Reunion. And I was walking down the street and I'd never seen him with his wife. I'd never seen him outside the state school. He came and got me. He said, you've got to come here, come here. He pulled his carriage up to me and he uncovered his baby. And he said it was born completely healthy. All the tests had changed. So this is where you get into something where you've got to agree together because he had a difficulty. Like, that's what it is. You prop each other up. He had said, I believe in miracles. I want a miracle. Let's pray for that. But at the last moment, the devil is saying, how about if not? Don't think you're not hearing that. Of course you're hearing, how about if not? I mean, the enemy always tries to make you doubt what you're doing. Don't think that is something that's abnormal. I got to tell you a funny story, but when I was at the TYC, I had taught my friend about healing, and she was my partner that night for the first time. And usually she was so busy on the college campus, she didn't have time to go into the prison with me. And there was this girl, and she wasn't a Christian, but we had to pray for her baby. And I was shocked at my friend, you know, praying with so much faith. And I prayed, and we get out of there, and I'm talking with her because I said, I didn't think you really believed in healing that much. And she said, well, I was just praying. And she told me the baby had a tumor, and it's the size of a basketball. And she said, I heard you praying with so much faith. She was talking about me, and I said, me praying with faith? I thought the baby, I thought he had a headache. I never heard he had a tumor. I never heard that it was going to be dead this week. I, I never heard all that. And, you know, it's kind of ironic how we look at it with the Lord, that I have faith for a headache, <laughs> but I do not have faith for that. And I was like, that girl's so big, she'll kill me next week. I mean, she wasn't a believer. She was rough anyway. I mean, she was defiant and screaming, and I was telling her, I'm not sure this will work because you don't even like the Lord. Well, the next week, I told the Lord, Woe is my doubt and unbelief because I had no idea. And so I get at the state school and that girl comes and she about knocks me over. And there's not supposed to be physical contact, but they let her pick me up. And she carried me and she carried me clear to the Bible study room. And the Lord had healed her baby. I prayed with faith for a headache. And my friend said, I never knew you had so much faith. And I said, I never knew what I was praying for. It's amazing what God will do. So I told the girl, you ready to accept the Lord now? Yes. And so that's what your faith does. That, that's what you're getting into agreement for. That God is waiting for two or three to agree to bring ratification to what you're praying for. So the next thing that it adds, it's the strength factor. You know, I like calling it the third chord. That verse that's in all the, the weddings, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. It says, two's better than one. And everybody in here goes, amen. Two's better than one. But it puts this final cap on it in verse 12 where it says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So again, we go to that two to three. How can we miss that? The Lord is saying, you know, a cord of two strands, but a cord of three, you can't break it. Two's better. But three, mm. it takes it to another level of strength. So in this area of three strands, sometimes you just got to remember 
The Lord is with me on this. He is that third one. He's the one that wraps the agreement completely together. He wraps the ropes together. I remember Steph telling me we were praying for something. She says, allow room for the Lord to do something spectacular here. And it took me aback that she was reminding me, remember that third chord. You can even be praying and not be concentrating on God is the one that gives you that third strand of strength, causes it the agreement not to be broken. And then Deuteronomy 32.30 is unique. It's one will put a thousand to flight and two will put 10,000. That really ramps up the strength. The numbers don't make sense. That one would put a thousand and two would put two thousand is what you would think. It pops it on up to 10,000. And that was a little proverb that was in the Song of Moses. And he had probably seen it happen in their victories. Then you have Luke 10, 1, that Jesus sent them out in twos for the deliverances. He sent them out two by two. So heaven seals the deal. It's an agreement factor. It's a power. You know, I think of Jonathan and David. It says it in 1 Samuel 20, verse 23. It says, may the Lord be between us. And your relationships, they never have that strength that we're talking about here that unbelievable supernatural strength until the Lord's between you. Up until then, you just have natural strength put together. But when the Lord is that third cord, or the Lord is between you, and it's a covenant where God is between you for your life, it puts you in a realm of strength. It puts heaven in agreement with what you're doing. You know, God has a lot of trust for us in our prayer life. And I think we're going to be in a lot of trouble when we get to heaven and we didn't utilize it. You know, in that Matthew 18, 19, it says, if two or three will, does it say make a decision or make a request? What's the word? A little three-letter word. If two or three of you will ask. So it's going to get us in trouble in heaven if we're not utilizing asking. It's an ask with an agreement to it. It's a request with asking God to be a part of that. You know, you saw Jesus talk about this agreement last week when we said that Jesus said, I don't do anything without first seeing the Father do it. And so that's him expressing a high level of agreement with everything he does. If you want one verse to kind of ponder on, it's 1 John 5, 8. And it says, all of heaven works on agreement. It says, the spirit agrees with the water that agrees with the blood. So you can figure out what that means. That those work in agreement. You see the Trinity, they work in agreement. We're costing ourselves strength and power by not working in agreement. Now, agreement also gives depth. It's the depth factor to agreement. I personally feel like this is one of the marks of who you choose as being your inner circle of close friends. It depends on your level of agreement. You can say all day long, this person's my friend, but if you don't have much agreement with them, they're not your friend. Your friends are according to your level of core values, your level of agreement. Someone said, you don't have very many close friends that you don't agree with. I was like, do you? I mean, I like agreement. And so your depth factor is determining who you have in that close circle. It's who you'll pick up the phone and call if there's a problem. You're looking for someone that really has depth and strength. So the depth of your friendship will be determined by the level of your agreement. 
Oh, yeah, this is fun. This one's fun. This is what happened to me as a child that I used to watch that movie. Now, I watched the older version of Parent Trap. And in Parent Trap with those two twins, I loved it. Did you see what all they pulled off with their agreement? I was like, they got their parents back together. One lived in Boston and one lived in California. They switched places. I mean, they took out the, the girlfriend. I mean, they tore everything up. It's a story of having someone that has agreement with you. And at that age, I thought, I needed a twin. I could have ruled the world with a twin. I mean, it's amazing what you could do if you had someone that would agree with you. And it teaches you the power of agreement. You know, 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, be equally yoked on your convictions, your motivations, your visions. You can't get much done without it. And I think yoke is such a good analogy of what you're looking for. You need someone that pulls the same way that you pull. And if you ever get into a disagreement, this is exactly how you feel is out of sync. You know, if you had one that is an oxen that had a lot of strength and one that doesn't, they're going to go in circles. <laughs> you need the ability when you're yoked together to have equal amounts of strength, to be equally yoked. So this can take place in a marriage, a business deal, a ministry, and it has a way of bringing things to the surface because this, this depth factor, will determine structural differences you have, foundational problems. And that's why the Bible's trying to protect you. It's not just something your parents are quoting to you. Don't be unequally yoked. Parent says that to you. It's actually trying to prevent you from going around in circles in your life. So check your level of agreement on key issues because there's power in agreement, but there's heartache in unequal yokes. The next one is the danger factor to agreement. The person's will. I hate to have to do this one. And sometimes I could tell you I love to have to do this one. But sometimes you have to blow somebody up. You just got to blow them up. And it's a real risk. And the reason you're blowing them up is they're captive and you're blowing their jail cell up. And you put dynamite under them and you kaboom them. And you help them get free. I had to call Ann for consolation on this. I said, Ann, you were bad when you were growing up. You sat in the back of the bus. You were the crowd that my parents said not to be around. I said, Ann, talk sweet things to me. You know, the person I get agreement from, they don't talk sweet at this moment. They're, they're talking about how the kaboom's going to look in the falling uh, pieces from the sky, you know, the, the body parts. They're counting what's going to happen. Steph reminds me of my father. You know, I would watch him take the nuke button, and he would just rub the nuke button for how good it felt. We'd be in a conversation, and I was like, uh-oh, he's rubbing the nuke button, and he's thinking about exploding them. There's something about it. When you find a person that's really locked in to their ways, you can tell there's something really wrong with them. And no amount of talk helps them. So you can have conversation number one with one person, conversation number two with two people talking to them. But Jesus, he just didn't mention this one. But this one is you just push a button and you blow them. And you just blow them to smithereens. And there's a real gift for that to bring it to that kind of attention. And it takes nerves of steel to watch it happen because something's really wrong with that person and you don't know what's going to happen after you've done this. If they're going to ever be okay again, if they're going to walk around permanently in shell shock, 
and you're going to have to weather that nervous breakdown that they have with what you've done to them. And then you hope they'll go in the right direction. And so I was going to just put a little caution here on the danger factor, because don't think you aren't going to have to do this in your close relationships. Don't think you're going to get married, and it's fairyland. And the two lived happily ever after the end. The prince kisses her, and they live... No, you're going to hit the nuke button occasionally, and if you don't, you don't love them. And you've got to blow them. And you've got to see what they're made out of. So I was going to say, sometimes I would like to fantasize to myself that agreement feels wonderful. It feels like the word. You know, it just you feel like the violins are playing and the harps, and, and it's just agreement, and we're in a concert, and we feel so good together. But let me tell you, agreement is dangerous. And there's risk involved, and it works. And sometimes the best thing you can do for someone is kapui. After one and two, to keep them from going to number three or being completely alienated, sometimes the best thing to do is this. I asked do you have an example of this? And she goes, ever deliverance, ever deliverance. So agreement, agreement on the wrong thing. So the first one was a person's will. A second thing is people are agreeing with what the devil's saying. And a perfect example of this is Genesis 11, 1 through 9, verse 6. Verse 6 is your key one because verse 6 tells you how strong agreement is. When you hear these words said in Genesis 11, that these people have gotten in such agreement that now nothing that they purpose will be impossible to them. Don't tell me there's not agreement power among people without the Lord. How do you think they build cities? Agreement. You can't let the world have all the agreement. And so what did God do here? It says God looked down and he said now nothing they purpose to do will be impossible to them. So he went kapui. He hit the nuke button. He said they're dangerous because they're in agreement. Too much of this, the wrong side is utilizing agreement. If your enemies are utilizing agreement more than you, then you're losing the battle and you're not as smart as they are. That's why Jesus said, how come the world is wiser? How come they're smarter? How come they bring more to the table? It's because they've got agreement, and they're thinking it through. But they're dangerous because they're agreeing with the dark side. They're agreeing with the enemy. What did God do to them? Cause disagreement in their language. Up until then, they had one language. And then he said, now you're not going to speak the same language. So your real level of problem with agreement is should you make an agreement apart from God. And it's easier to do than you would think. False compassion... That sounds so Christian. I feel sorry for them. I feel sympathy. You're in danger because you can make agreements apart from the Spirit of God. You'll be making that false human compassion where you feel so sorry for them, but you feel sorry for somebody and you handicap them. You take a child and you have one child that you have expectations of, he'll rise to meet them. You have a child that you feel sorry for them, you handicap them and they won't achieve you can't do it. To have it apart from God, two people agreed on an offense, being offended together, a dislike. Sometimes you need to evaluate your friendships and see if it's built around something you're both offended about, hurt, agreement on a lie. 
today. I was sitting in a place of business, and they were telling me, well, this happened to my daughter that she was working for someone, and she stood up for what was right, but there were two friends. And so the first time, one of the friends had agreed with her daughter, but then under pressure, she agreed with her friend. So they agreed upon a lie. You can't agree on a lie. The best thing you can do for your friend is tell them the truth. The best thing you can do is say, you're better than that. You know, if you stay quiet, do nothing, say nothing, allow, you're in danger of the sin of omission. And this is what gets us in trouble in eternity. That almost every parable Jesus told that was related to the end, that what people will be doing is the sin of omission. It's what they're not bringing to the table. It's what they're doing the least of. And like the Tower of Babel, we can agree on the wrong thing. It's so important that you don't put your name on the wrong things. The enemy's going to be pushing you, compulsive. Agree with it. Agree with it. That's what the enemy did with Eve. Agree with me. Agree with me. Give away your authority. Constantly the devil's trying to get your power from you, trying to get your authority from you. He's trying to get agreement from you. He'll try to get you to agree that you're sick, that you're going to die, that you have this, that the doctor's right, that the expert, that the report, that every single thing. And you have to make up your mind at this point, I'm going to agree with God's word. Help me into my unbelief. I want to agree with what you're saying. So, agreement. It has a danger factor, but it also has a sensitive factor. It's powerful and dangerous. We've talked about this of some of the agreements we have to come in on um, of quick decisions we make in foreign countries because there's no safety nets. We haven't read the rules of culture before we invade them. And we feel like we have this very strong sensitive meter to our agreement. And things work really well for us if we're in deep agreement. And if our sensitive meter gets off, it causes a big problem. So I want you to write down these little words because these will help you. When you're looking for agreement with your sensitive meter, see if you're in with all your heart. See if something feels off, if you feel "Uh uh-uh. Because you may not understand why it's off, but it'll be off. And you can't tell them why. That's what was wrong with me. I didn't know why it was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong about it. I just knew that my sensitive meter was saying no. I'm not someone that says no to everything. You have to hear. Sometimes God will tell you yes when it feels like a no, and sometimes it's no when it feels like a yes. It's very unique. Or we don't have our joy is our sensitive meter. So we have some horrible explosive situations we've called ourselves when we've gotten out of agreement. I figured Ann would be here with front row seats to just talk about sometimes where she and I get out of agreement. We're working on our agreement at all times. So sometimes when we're in a foreign country or we're in an assignment and we're not in full agreement. I remember one time in the old city of Jerusalem that Steph and I almost blew up the entire Arab section of the old city because we lost agreement. I got angry with this guy there that had cheated her. And I was telling her, stick with me. I don't trust him. But, you know, very charming. Charm, 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 charm. I lost my temper and exploded over her letting him take advantage of her. We were very young. And we realized that she's like the neck. She can make that decision which way we're going to (laughs) go. And uh, I went in there to confront him. I've seen, uh, you know, in D.C. once we lost our agreement. The enemy's constantly trying to get you when you're on assignment. Lose your agreement. And also decisions here at home. 
The enemy is looking for any place of disagreement to exploit it. He wants to exploit your disagreements. You know, we had a disagreement on our Psalm 91 podcast. You'd think something simple like that. I'm like, I don't even understand why there's a disagreement over this. But I had moved forward on it, and it didn't work real well. On the two things we had a disagreement on, it's the first time it ever happened. I uploaded on Google, and it splatters. Like, it makes blank spots for the first three minutes of beep, 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 beep. I mean, it just leaves blanks in there. We're like, why would that happen? And Steph goes, because we weren't in agreement. So it was few words in a blank. And so we came back around, got an agreement, and it's fine now. So we realized that we are on a heightened, sensitive set of agreement. So you've got to get to the bottom of why it doesn't feel right and not letting up until we have agreement. You know, one thing can be whatever is said, something's said, and you say nothing. That can be agreement. It stands. The default is whatever is happening is going to stand because you won't say anything about it. You have responsibilities. There's one of the parents in the room, so that way I don't name the child, but someone with the parent had a 12-year-old that said, I'm very angry. And most parents would just tolerate a child. Let's work through your anger issues. I'm very angry. And this parent goes, now, here, snaps her finger. Come here, little brother, help pray. The parent's ideal was the best thing she could think of is I'm taking this 12-year-old through deliverance. And the amazing thing is the parent didn't see what happened, but both the little brother and the person going through deliverance saw the spirit leave. God opened their eyes to see it. And the child was very thankful to have that spirit of rage off of them. It had just come on them. Parents, you're not doing your job if you're not doing a little old-fashioned deliverance. I mean, it can be healed so much, and then the child's happy. It's a fresh little child, and it grows up, and it's happy, and they live happily ever after till the next deliverance. So, But they both saw it with their eyes. So every deliverance, this is, you know, you're working against these things, vain imaginations, Satan's lies, witchcraft, patterns, death wishes. When something's not right, you don't let it stand. You can't add your agreement by saying nothing. This week, this man wanted to meet me, and I, I had a meltdown. I was like, I don't want to meet him. I wanted to mark it off my calendar. I told Steph, under no circumstances am I meeting with this guy. And Steph just waits on me to get peaceful, get me to wait on the Lord. I go, Steph, this is a trap. You know it's a trap. This is going to cause a big mess, and it's going to blow up everything we're working on. But the Lord's saying yes. And we meet with him, and it works exactly what the Lord had said. This is agreement, just waiting for that moment. So the mistakes we've made when we're shaky on our agreement, tired, TWF, tired, weak, and frustrated. When you just want something in your life, you can check off your list. No agreement needed on this one. Check it off my list. I'm writing five checks behind my back. Check, 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 check. Just get it done. Don't put your faith on it. Let's just check it off my list. You know, this week, Steph was running out the door and said, we've got to get this done. Just make a decision. And she said, I'm going to just run over to Ann's and let's just do it. I said, Steph, stop. Remember what we're supposed to do in decisions? We're supposed to pray together in the spirit. 
So anyway, she said, oh, okay, let's pray. And while we're praying, she gets a clear plan of what to do. And it was a clear plan of agreement, and it fixed so many intangibles, you wouldn't even believe it. It fixed multiple things at once, and it cleaned up our problem. Because we put five minutes of saying, hey, covenant partner, hey, third strand, hey, the Lord who's between us, hey, the one I'm setting a seat at the table for, it's your ministry, not ours. Speak. So if we fail to interrogate it properly, to see where we aren't in an agree, a put into action, because when we do, it works like you wouldn't believe. And so that moves us to the ramp up factor. When you can ramp up your agreement. What verse ramps up your agreement? What verse am I going to pull up? How about let's take James 1, 2. Consider it joy. Can you believe that God would be saying for your agreement, consider it joy? Consider it being your pleasure. You get into this area, nothing is impossible to you. Things start happening quickly. Steph has had this thing where she keeps finding things quicker. She had to have a fifth wheel camper for Eric for his job. She decided to test me. She sent me a pic and said nothing in the pic. It felt right to Steph, but she didn't want to talk me into it. The minute I saw it, I said, in two minutes, I gave her my hearty agreement. I go, get this. Guess what? I said, get this without knowing the price (laughs) or where it was located. Like, do we drive to Kalamazoo? It was right here in Brownwood. Exactly what we wanted. The right people, the right price. In two minutes, we had made the agreement. Let me tell you what it feels like. Your spirit leaps. There's joy. Yes, that's right. You hear God. And there's a lot of these. And these are our favorites. And I like telling these the best. So we're ending with our happy ones. The ones that work so well. And they work so well that you think, oh, just a few of these other ones don't matter. But little weeds can cause big problems. So keeping that joy. Did you know your agreement, when it ramps up, it can change things? That's how Jesus changed the whole mess we'd made on earth is that he got in agreement with his father and he changed the authority situation and he armed us. You agree. And it literally is the realm, see if you don't like these words, of enthusiastic agreement. Now, if this is not a romantic verse, tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. In 1 Samuel 14, 6, Jonathan said, Let's test the Lord and see if we can defeat the Philistines. And he said, does the Lord save by many or few? I don't know. Let's try. Let's go up and see if the Lord will save with 20 to 1, 20 to 2. Those are good ratios. So he turns to his armor bearer, who we know nothing about, has no name and no age on him. And he says, we're about to go up and risk our life, and we're going to fight up on the top of this ridge. And I've stood at the bottom of it in Israel, and I've looked up and thought, My lands, how could you climb that thing? They could push you off at the top. And the armor bearer says the most romantic words ever said in faith. And he says these words to Jonathan, do all that's in your heart. And when he says that in verse 7, do 
all that's in your heart. It gave the men power, and they so defeated the Philistines that it shook the whole earth and gave the armies of Israel the strength and the courage they need to fight their battles from there on out. Enthusiastic agreement. Do everything in your heart. Save those words for some mission trip. Save those words for some important time. Save those words when you're either going to live or die, depending on how well this guy is hearing God. Save those words to say, do everything that's in your heart. Put your faith on it and stay in agreement. Of ridiculous times when I told Steph, I've lost my passport and we have to go to Israel. She goes, wait two days for my picture. Okay, it doesn't matter at this point. We have to leave June the 2nd. And this is like May the 28th. So I look. I look and I look on the government website and it says passport still processing. Steph's passport sent. Angie's still processing. I call them. No, still processing. Leave us alone. We got jobs to do. And the Lord says, if you'll lift your hands and praise me, I'll give you the passport. So I lift my hands. Steph goes running past me, looks at me and thinks, what's she doing? I was thanking the Lord. She runs out to my mailbox, comes flying in, hands me my passport with it still processing. We buy tickets and fly out in three, four days. We land May 31st. It's ridiculous. It's joy. It's not allow. It's completely from not allowing something to take place, clear over to the power that you have to change something that's wrong, that you have to change it to line up to God's word. You know what? We've stopped quite a few suicides this way. That the Lord gives us the power to change it. They're depressed and we're happy. My happy's going to get on your depression. I caught someone in the middle of committing suicide and they got real mad at me. And that's how I was on the phone. I thought, that's how I know you're committing suicide. You're usually, you usually like me, but you're mean with me right now. What are you doing that you should be doing? Well, Angie, I'm committing suicide. I've got the insurance lined up, my grandkids. I have it all laid out. And I start laughing. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. You're happy. That's your joy. That's your agreement. So my summary is this was taught to us to get us to get agreement working in our life. And you can learn it today from the scriptures that I've given you that are so wonderful, from our testimonies, from all of our fun stories, all these fun tales that I've told you about our lessons with agreement, or it's big or, capital O-R, you can have someone come to your house and try to kill you, shouting all kinds of curses and threats, using your name in vain, carrying their weapons of a loaded gun and knife with snarls and growls and Things pouring outside of their mouth that I'm not supposed to speak of. Like you've never heard and possessed by the devil. And you can figure out your agreement on the spot. And it helps you if you do it that way so that you never forget. And it makes an impression upon you for the rest of your life that agreement has power to it. So you can either bar our experience on agreement or you can get your own. Amen.